Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Jean Turnbow. I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is the surprisingly versatile Jacob Hopkins. Welcome to the show. Hello, really excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for coming. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be fun. Jacob Hopkins is the voice of Gumball in the Amazing World of Gumball, among other things. Uh, and you've also got uh, you've got a new anime series, To Your Eternity, airing now on HBO Max and Crunchyroll, and it's just been renewed for season two. And you play uh, you play Fushi in that, which I, I assume. Is the the orb spirit? Yeah, that, <laughs> the first episode he's all right. twittering to himself and and his dog, but mostly to himself. And then suddenly he's a serious guy. So you know, there's some there's some latitude in that character. Yeah, so you actually play two characters in the in the first. Actually, it, hmm, you play you play the genesis of the character. But your character doesn't actually speak in the first episode, but it's going to be you anyway. So how, how it worked was um, the orb, which is Fushi, uh, is able to turn into a wolf by coming into contact with this dying wolf. And um, we soon realized that that said wolf, uh, who was named John, um, belonged to this boy. So you hear me as the boy. And throughout the first episode, it's, it's all about learning about this boy. And he lives in this frozen wasteland where all of his family and friends have left to find paradise, basically to find a more suitable home. Because uh, popular to contrary belief, uh, or contrary to popular belief, uh, humans can't really uh, live in frozen wastelands. So... Um, what we see is a journey that these two take together, um, the orb and the boy. And uh, Fushi, or not Fushi, the boy, finds out that his family and friends, in fact, did not find paradise. He comes across a gravesite um, after weeks of traveling. And um, he falls into a sort of depression which is is very sad because well, he, i can he, get into all this because this yeah. episode has been out for like months yeah. oh yeah yeah well you're ready getting ready for season two so this isn't exactly spoiler material yeah yeah Spo- spoiler alert but not really uh, I've, I've actually talked about this like millions and millions of times so it's okay um and so he goes back to the home and um he gets sick yeah, and he's got passes a, he, away. Yeah, he's got right. a leg injury that gets infected. and, and That's right. And yeah. that's it. And then that's it for him, but not really, because the orb then turns into that boy. Um, so we see that he can take on the form of anything that he's been stimulated by and that's also passed away. So the orb is a chance for those people or animals to sort of live on through him. Uh, and so that's how I come to voicing Fushi because he turns into that boy. So uh-huh. then I provide the voice for him throughout the rest of the series. Okay. I was, I was, you know, concerned that they might do the doctor who thing where like, uh, 
Uh, no, the, he hangs uh, in there for a while longer. He, oh, he doesn't yeah. change every episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. The, Fushi, Fushi never actually dies. So no, the the the, the so like he can't he main... can't because he's not he, he's not actually a terrestrial creature in the first place. Right. Yeah. So the whole purpose of the show, which I think is genius, is you know it's about it's about an immortal character. It's like all right, well, how do you make that interesting? Right. He's not going to be facing you know, life-threatening danger because he literally can't die. So what they do is they make it about how he finds a purpose as an immortal being. Because if you're immortal and you're going to live on forever, then what's the point? So um, that's what the show is about. And throughout the series, he, you know, makes all these new friends and then goes through time. Um, so far, I think we've only gone through like four years worth of time in the series. Uh-huh. Um, where he meets new friends and new family, um, and and he he grows from that. He becomes more human-like. He receives stimulation and and becomes more relatable. Uh, so <laughs> I like say that that's like he has he's got like the best character because he started out from like an unconscious being to a, like a questioning why he's on this earth. <laughs> Oh well, you know it's it's. Why well, should uh, be different from anyone else? Well, it it's. <laughs> I see you know I see some parallels. You know it's the the it's a fish out of water story. It's like uh, well you know you could you could say the same thing about Superman. Strange visitor from another planet has to come to Earth uh, to and learn to be learn to be human. You know learn has to learn what it's like to be human. Can't die. Uh, and ha- what kinds of challenges do you have telling stories about that kind of a character? It's the same sort of, uh, same sort of dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it touches up on that. It touches up on the importance of family and friends and love and, and what that's like to go through heartbreak and loss and, and tragedy and how to recover from that. And, I really do think that this is such a beautiful show because it, those are very real things. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of animes out there where, you know, you got the powering up and power levels and screaming and fighting and stuff. And, you know, while there are some really cool supernatural fights, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, while, while, that, while there is like some really crazy supernatural, almost like demonic like elements in this show where Fushi has to fight this sort of demon horde, um, which I'll get into. Okay, Um, that sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Now you piqued my interest. Yeah, we can't gloss over that. Uh, Well, you know, there's sort of, it's almost a a, a thing. If it's anime, there have to be demons in it. Because because Japanese culture is, uh, the mythology is so rich and so deep that... I mean, the, their their mode of storytelling is almost ritualized. There's also a lot of uh, Western, like, biblical references in this um, show. And I, I've been seeing some animes like that popping up. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen was one um, where they have a lot of biblical references. They have, they have like, a lot of Buddhism as well. Um, but I've been seeing that pop up a lot, and this show does it quite a bit. So there's a character in it called... The Beholder, and he created Fushi, and he's almost—he's kind of like God, pretty much. Um, And the Knockers, which is what this demon horde is called, that's what he calls them, they're sort of like the army of hell, pretty much. Um, But there are some interesting fan theories, which I won't dive into, and I actually don't even know the answer to this, so like... <laughs> I won't say I can confirm or deny if I know this or not, but I have been seeing a lot of fan theories that the beholder is actually the devil. Mm, um, uh-huh. Yeah, he's a man in, uh, shrouded in black. He's all pale, and that's how we see the devil depicted in a lot of different media, um, whether it be you know the Bible or movies. But you know, I mean, again they're fighting these evil creatures at the same time. So then people are like, Oh wait, now he can't be the devil because you know, he created Fushi to fight these evil characters. Well, life and is people not are now a saying, binary. Well, what if those evil characters like those knockers are the beholders horde 
and he's just having Fushi fight them so he can create like his ultimate pawn, his ultimate warrior. So people are coming up with these crazy theories and asking me, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because well, you didn't not- write it. <laughs> yeah, I I've only gotten so far in the manga. I think I think I've gotten as far as like the middle of where season two will be. Um, which, by the way, that has been announced, and that is crazy. Um, that is that is. Awesome. I mean, like, of course they planned it because they like the day the the finale release for the Japanese dub. Um, English dub is still going, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, that same day, season two was announced. So I was like, oh, yeah, of course. And they had like a poster prepared for it and everything. Uh, and I had no idea that there's going to be – I suspected there would be a season two because there's a lot of source that they can you know, gather from. But yeah, season two already. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. And, and hey, job security. That can't hurt much, you know. <laughs> I, one of the things that I, I'm noticing here is that that you're really actually into the, what you're doing. It, there are a lot of voice actors for whom it oh, oh I just go to the studio, I record my lines, and I go home. But that's not the case with you. You really know your, this stuff. You know the context, and you know what's you're going on. You're reading the it. manga, you know. Yeah. yeah well, I got to tell you a funny story. When I um, so so the way I got this uh, role, I landed this role was. Um, the, the, uh, I learned that the way anime is cast is like they send out their seasonal batches and you'll get like some series here and there out of the blue to audition for. But what they do is they have their spring batch, their summer batch, their winter batch, where all these shows come out at the same time and they last throughout the entire season. Um, season meaning like, you know, the time of the year. Uh-huh. So... This was the spring batch. Bushi was a part of the spring batch and uh, – or Two Year Eternity was a part of the spring batch. And I remember auditioning for all these different anime including that. So I didn't really know like if I was going to get one or two or maybe none. I was like, you know, it's a hit or miss. And uh, I got or the, the or call. Or I the got ultimate Bushi terror, and... all of them. <laughs> yeah. that could have happened I them all. Um, but yeah yeah I got Fushi I was super stoked I was really happy to be part of it and uh, so anyways that segues to like the funny bit of it was I started diving into all the manga and I became a fan immediately and I was reading so many chapters I got to like chapter I want to say like a, a hundred something and it must, like, it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys think so. Um, and I was like, this is such a good show. Like, this is going to be such a good show. This is such a good story. I'm such a huge fan. And it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm the lead. I'm, uh, this is my story. <laughs> so, like, I found myself becoming a fan of this story. I really do love um, To Your Eternity. I think it's amazing. And I, you know, I see all these theories about the show. I dive right into them along with the fans. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the show myself. You know, I see, you know, all these posts that the, you know, the social media platforms are making about it. I get super excited and engaged in them. Um, yeah, I, I study up. I, I want to know what's happening, what's going to happen. Um, I love it, man. It's awesome. Do you sneak onto the social media under an assumed name just to hear what, what they're saying? My secret Twitter slash Instagram handle, yes, it is Fushi123. Uh, <laughs> it's not a secret anymore. It is to your turn, Fushi fanboy at dot com slash org. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's, it's so beautiful. I love it. If you couldn't tell. I could I could almost see them casting him if they do when if and when they do live action. Is it strange that I fantasized about that? It is totally not strange. It is awesome. I I find myself thinking about that a lot. I'm like, if they ever, because you're seeing it happen. You could you, know, you could one, do it. One Piece uh, was announced for Netflix like a year ago or something like that. Um, I have no idea what's happening with it though, but I know that. Um, We've gotten a lot to look at for Cowboy Bebop is getting adapted to Netflix. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we've yeah. seen some uh, uh, photos of some of the characters at this point. They look really good. Right. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, they look it's, really good. 
they're you Such know they're of course their fans are 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 taking turns throwing <laughs> you know throwing uh cream pies at at the uh you know at the casting choices oh she doesn't look like like the the I saw that she's video, supposed yeah. to be in. Oh, oh my god! They don't like know. they don't like her costume. Or, they don't like her costume. You know they what? They're like complaining. They're complaining about the girl. They're not complaining about the guys. Yeah, they're yeah. complaining about the girl. And I I don't know the actress's name. Um, but I <laughs> I remember watching the video of her response, and she's like, "I'm so sorry that I don't have a." You know, a two-inch waist. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not anatom, you know, anatomically correct to the character who's been animated in 2D and looks nothing like a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you on the other hand, you could actually pull this off. I feel like I could. You I could. don't want to brag, but you totally I, could. I mean, <laughs> you need you need a big white wolf dog and a whole lot of demons, right? Right. I, I need to learn how to transform into a wolf, a bear, a girl, a little yeah. girl. <laughs> this is why God made CGI. Come on. You know, that's <laughs> exactly. There you go. See, to save me the trouble of getting in a dog suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Godzilla suit, only not, you know. Thank you for the food. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're also on, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, how to Train Your Dragon, Dragon Riders? Yes, the, the spinoff of How the to Train Your Dragon, Rescue Riders. Rescue yeah. Riders. I keep wanting to say Rescue Rangers, and I know that's right. <laughs> I, I, Are you okay. Chip or Dale? Rescue, no, Rider, no, I, Rescue, Rescue Riders. Riders. Rescue Riders. And you're Rangers. naughty. You're the <laughs> naughty spy boy. Is, I, that's, that's so shocking to say in 2021, but I, I grew up on Rescue Rangers, which is insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Rescue Riders anymore. is intensely popular. I think we published okay. an article about how uh, uh, when when Rescue Riders was initially released, uh, we published like one article and it got like twenty thousand hits in like a week. It was amazing. People thought it was Rescue Rangers. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. They no, thought no. it was Rescue Riders because <laughs> they, they people have been wait had been waiting for that for like forever, and now yes. you're in it. Yeah, you, 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 I you mean, were on I, that show. I, yeah, man. I mean, I grew up reading all those books of How to Train a Dragon, and I, what's weird is that I've only seen the first movie. I haven't seen the other movies, but I've read all the books. I'm one of those guys, and I, I absolutely love them. They're awesome, and being a part of that universe is so surreal. I mean. I, you know, I didn't think it would ever happen because I, I was like, oh, the movie's already out. You know, I didn't think they would do a spinoff. Um, voicing Axel Fink has been such a, an amazing journey and it's still going. Um, but uh, Are you still getting calls to come back and do your character or are you done with that character? No, not as of now. I, I heard, So I think because of COVID, um, the, mm. the production was kind of slowed down quite a bit because that's – like it hit when we finish recording for season two and, you know, 3d animation, you know, especially how detailed they, they do that show takes a while. And, um, so I hope we can, uh, you know, go back to it soon. I, I haven't heard anything yet. I, I did hear that initially before the pandemic that we were returning for a season three, but, uh, hopefully we will. Let's see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you probably will. I mean, they, they, they uh it's netflix they, they'll be back yeah the great thing <laughs> yeah. the great thing about animation is that you know you're you're not it's not like you you have to uh set up your locations and and lease the space and get the insurance and get the crew set up and everything for the specific times and then you go out there and and do the thing on schedule animation will sit in the can for three years if it has to and then they can just right. open it back up and start pick up where they left off. And well, I, yeah. I don't know. They don't have a lot of you know small children vo- you know doing the voices, and you know your voice <laughs> has changed since you started this journey, but uh, not since you started Axel Fink. I don't think or not. Not much. so. Yeah, definitely Gumball. But uh, you know Axel Fink. Um, I mean, you know my voice is going to change again, but probably not for like I want to say like maybe six more years or something. I mean I'm. I started voicing Axel when I was, I want to say maybe 17, 
And uh, I'm 19 now, and my voice hasn't changed at all. So. No, that's okay. That's so, good. So in, in that's this good for that character. Yeah. That's a lot um, of accomplishment for 19 years. You started. Yeah. You started acting when you were like five or something, right? Yeah, like four or five. I want to. I usually say five, but I think it was four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad was an actor before me, and um, that's how I got into it. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it for 15 years now, almost 16, which is insane to think about. It's a huge – at your age, that's a huge chunk of your life, a huge chunk. And, oh, yeah. and, and uh, uh, may I say that you are, seem extremely well-balanced for somebody who's been through that. <laughs> Don't worry. No, when we what? get off this call, I'm going to go <laughs> clinically insane. <laughs> but yeah, I mean yeah. what's – what what I think about quite a bit, um, you know, now that I'm in college, um, what's weird is that I, I've gone through my entire life knowing I was aware that being a child actor was not a normal lifestyle. Definitely right. yeah. not at all. Like you're a kid and you already have a career, you know, which is really weird to say out loud. Jeez. Um, but you know, I, I was aware that it was a normal, but it felt so normal to me because I started at such a young age and I grew up in that environment, um, guided by, you know, you know, very intelligent, loving parents who knew the ins and outs of the industry, kept me safe. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I would not have a career without them, you know, say least. And, and, I, and I've gone through my whole life balancing, you know, going to public school and like having this acting, you know, a separate acting lifestyle. And um, it, it's so weird to think about, but it just feels natural to me now. It, it, it doesn't really feel like uh, it, it never felt like a struggle. Actually, it felt so natural. And I remember my teachers would always say, how especially in like my senior year of high school, like, how are you doing this? It's <laughs> like. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of just know how to do it. I've been doing it since I was a kid. You know, I just, I stay on top of things. I, you know, I don't fall behind and, and I've, you know, because of that, I, you know, it's never like, I never had, you know, free time, you know, to go with friends and, or anything like that. I've always had that because I've always had that mentality of, of staying on top of things and making sure that, you know, my life is in order to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I mean, it's I I can't tell you how many people uh, that we've talked to uh, have their career is something that that just sort of happened to them, and they weren't totally prepared for it, and they you know they they struggle with that balance. Well, I give a lot of credit to his parents, I think, if his oh, father yeah. was an actor. Oh, yeah. And it was it was normalized in the house. It wasn't weird. It was, okay, you do this, and you, you, you know. And, and you never had to go through that, oh, no son of mine is going to be an actor. Or somebody <laughs> pushing you from behind. It sounded like it was your choice all along. Yeah, it definitely was my choice. And um, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, my... My dad introduced it to me. It's not like, you know, he was by any means, he was never, you know, forcing it on to me. Um, but he introduced that lifestyle to me. And as a kid, I was like, wait a minute, I get to play pretend and it's a job? Sign me up. And, <laughs> yeah. and I like to say my mentality has changed. You know, it's matured. Uh, in a sense, it has, but that's that's pretty much the same yeah. thing, you know. I, yeah. I I get to live out these super cool fantasies, uh -huh. and it's a job, you know. It's like I get to do what I love and um, and make and, a living off of it. Well, and not only that, you're doing something really important. You're helping create daydreams for other people to enjoy, to right. to, to have that be a part of their lives. You know, Which I think is so important. I think it's, you know, it's, you always hear like, okay, get off the video games or stop watching TV and, you know, do what you need to do, which, you know, I get that, you know, people have responsibilities, you know, I have my own responsibilities, everyone's got their own life, and they got to do it. But I think everyone needs sort of, not necessarily an escape, but sort of like a fantastical story to, to love and to analyze and, and feel a part of and, 
And I feel like stories and dreams and imagination and creativity are so important. We would all go crazy without that. Um, because there's so much joy that we get from that. There's so much joy that we get from all that, all that, all those fantastical, whimsical tales, you know? I get the feeling that I'm talking to a 43-year-old in a kid suit. Well, funny you should mention that. That's, Takes that's, off my mask. Ah! No, no, it's like it's like his part in True Blood where he's like this ancient, you know, oh, yeah. ancient no, vampire. That wasn't acting. They just turned on the camera and they were like, all right, let's go. I, I, I freaking love roles like that where the little kid gets to be like uh, more adult than the other adults in the room. And, you know, there was a character like that in Interview with the Vampire, and you absolutely <laughs> believe this was a 30-year-old. <laughs> so I I actually really want to talk about that because it, it was such a really cool experience. Um, is it okay if I talk about this? this of, is course, of course, of <laughs> course. This is your show. Uh, this listen, you know, you. if we could talk about dog food, you know, and other the you know, people's other projects. This is at least related to the station's theme, so I'm good. Yeah, Bert, Bert Ward. Bert Ward came on the show, and and uh, half of it was about Batman, and the other half was about his, you know, the dog food he was selling. Okay, we love dogs. Yeah, we'll talk about dog food. Anyway, back to the nine year old. Super Chancellor. So. True Blood. Uh, I was nine when I got that. It, it, that was like the first like big thing, right? That was the breakout um, theatrically wise for me. And I remember like I was in, I'm going to say like third grade. I was that doing that show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like second or third grade. And I was obsessed with the werewolves and vampires and creatures of the night. I had like two huge encyclopedias that ranged from like Dracula to Hannibal Lecter to Night of the Living Dead. And I loved it. I was like, this is so cool. Oh my God. And <laughs> I got the audition and I was like, this is a dream come true. Yes. And I went into the room, you know, I was a little kid, so I could get away doing this, but I, I'm not a method actor by any means. I'm so loose. And, you know, when it's time to get into character, it, it, that's when the camera rolls, you know, I'm a very loose guy on set, but <laughs> I got into the mentality as a nine-year-old that I was going to method act. I am a vampire. So like, as soon as I walked into the building, I like don this brooding presence and <laughs> I go in the room and I'm like, I'm crossing my arms. I'm like scowling at everybody. And I walk out and I say out loud in front of everybody to my mom, I'm like, well, I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's <right>. confidence. <laughs> like two, I'm talking like an hour later, two hours later, I get the call and they're like, we want this kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. So I got it. And what a great I, story. I, just let him <laughs> and I, I go on set. Everyone is super awesome. You know, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Chris Maloney, um, Carolyn Hennessy, uh, everyone, uh, Peter Mensah. They're all they were all so great. Stephen Moyer. Um, I'm probably missing a few, but it's been a long time. Um, and you know, they all had their own families and I was, you know, I was the baby. I was nine years old. So they treated me with such respect and kindness and warmth. Um, you know, like I said, they had their own children. So, you know, they understood, right. They, they knew how to relate to me and, you know, everyone on set, even the crew and they knew how to relate to me and how to make me feel safe and, and happy. And, you know, I was having a great time. Everyone was awesome. Um, but before I, uh, like actually started filming and it's the first and only time I've ever done something like this. I went to the special effects department for HBO because they needed to fit me for fangs. They were going to make me a set of fangs, like realistic uh -huh. fangs, which is so cool. And that's like going to the to dentist, see... you know, what was it? Yes. <laughs> they have to take an impression yeah. and do all that stuff. Right? <laughs> we're going to make you some fangs, son. Uh, and I remember seeing all the super cool HBO stuff. Um, at the time, they had like 
a bunch of Swamp Thing stuff. Uh-huh, uh, it, was, uh-huh. it was actually mainly Swamp Thing because that was the huge like sci-fi HBO show at the time. And uh, and of course, you know, they had some True Blood, but I saw a lot of like scrapped models of Swamp Thing, like what he would have looked like versus what he is now. They had a bunch of like the mutations from the show and stuff. It was super cool. And they had they had Brundle Fly, Jeff Goldblum's oh, yeah. Brundle Fly. I was like, really? Wow. Like I, I was like, why does HBO have this? But I was like, this is awesome. Um and and they I remember like after I got fitted for the fangs, they were like do you want to see some cool stuff that we do? I was like, yeah, of course. So they showed me like how they make fake skin and like how they mold it from all the gelatin and stuff. They, they show me the powder they use and they actually did it. Like they made stuff to show me like before my eyes. Um, it was super cool, really awesome people. And so, yeah. And then we go to filming. So everyone was super awesome. Um, and I was on there for three episodes um, like three super awesome time my life episodes. And by the third episode, um, so basically if you haven't seen it, I play Alexander drew. I'm like, I'm a thousands and thousands of years old vampire stuck in a nine year old's body. So I was bitten and turned to a vampire as a nine year old thousands of years ago. So I'm like one of the most powerful vampires on the vampire council, which you know, contains a lot of other super powerful vampires. And on my final episode, there was a scene where the, uh, the leader of the, um, council, Christopher Maloney's character, he finds out that I have been feeding on humans and publishing them. Like the, I've been filming it and publishing it to some sort of site, um, which is illegal. You know, you can't out yourself like that as the vampire council. So I get staked and I explode into all these wow. guts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember going through that process and watching it on TV. I was like, wow. So it's super terrifying on TV, but it really was not scary at all filming it. Um, what we did was we had me on a harness so like Christopher Maloney could like lift me up by the back of my shirt, just drive a stake into my heart. And being on a harness as a nine year old is like the coolest thing ever because <laughs> you can pretend you're flying and stuff. And oh yeah, oh yeah. You 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 literally think you are flying. So, <laughs> and um, I remember, I I can't remember if it was before or after we finished filming that episode, but I remember the special effects department and it was the same guy who gave me the tour. He was like, you want to, he, he's really cool. He looked like ZZ top. And he was like, you want to, <laughs> he's like, you want to see you? I was like, what do you mean? See me? He's like, here, I'll show you. And so my mom and I walk over to this pile of like fake guts and stuff. I'm like, that's going to be you. And my mom was so freaked out. She's like, what are you doing? You're traumatized. She didn't say that, but I could tell that's what she was thinking. And uh-huh. I was like, whoa. And I was so mesmerized and like entranced at the pile of me. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Like kids are way cooler with that sort of thing than they parents think. It's something about, you know, nine year old kids that really scare you. But uh, that's a topic (laughs) for a psychologist. Probably the least traumatized kid because you'd seen it, you know, you'd been through the process and you knew that you weren't blowing up. (laughs) I've been to the special effects room of HBO Max, Mom. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen Swamp Thing. Do do you do you sometimes regret knowing how the sausage is made? You know, when you go see a new movie. <laughs> I mean, d- oh man, what's the last horror movie I've seen? I think it was probably like I don't want to say it was It Chapter Two, but that's probably what. It, oh no, it wasn't. It was Cape Fear. That's the last one I saw. I like just, just sat down and watched Cape Fear. I mean, knowing how they do that stuff and seeing it like live or not live, but you know, like on the big screen, you know, it, it's uh, it's weird because you know how it's done, but for me, 
I don't really think about it because these movies are super good um, and, and they do a really good job, um, especially like True Bud, like even, you know, after I knew what was going to happen, like I knew what was going to happen. I knew how it happened. I knew the special effects. I, I was they do such a good job at making it seem so real that you don't even really think about it. Um, so I don't think it like ruins it for me or anything. I think it actually makes it better. Like after you've watched it and you think about it, it's like, man, that's so cool because this is how they did it. You know? Yeah. When in the, in the old days, you know, when they used to shoot TV, uh, on, uh, 35 millimeter film, uh, you could, uh, well, then you see the dailies the next day. Well, yeah, but, but, uh, there's no you instant know, gratification. The, the the rule was, and I used to do practical effects. You know, back in the back in the eighties, <laughs> uh, you shut off you shut off the uh, uh, the key lights. You know, and just work from the work lights. You get back twenty feet and you bend over and squint. And if it looks okay, it'll look good on camera. And that's no longer true because now all the cameras are four K. Nobody uses film anymore. And uh, if there is if if there's stubble under the makeup, you know, if there's stubble under that beard stick, you can still see it. Right. And I think the last movie I saw, I was I was going to ask the question, like, what's the last movie that's come out like today in this era that's used practical effects? But it's The Lighthouse with uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only movie I've seen recently, like in the modern era, that's used practical effects. And I remember the number one reason why I was so excited to see that movie was because they were using practical effects. And I've always thought, no matter how good CGI is, like, yeah, Thanos looks really cool, but I don't think anything beats practical effects. It looks so real. It looks so much realer than CGI to me because – you know, com- a lot of like computer computerized images don't really seem natural to me. Like they don't, you can tell it's CGI, Yeah. but yeah, you, yeah like you, you see like, oh, that's CGI. But when you see practical effects like Indiana Jones, there's an explosion in the background. It's like, oh, wow, that's a real explosion. Like yeah. they, that they set off a bunch of dynamite way back behind the entire set and that's real you know that it registers in your mind that that's real and it only like you know it only like immerses you that much more into you know whatever you're watching well i think a lot of that's in the direction too i mean if the director has some idea of physics and gravity i mean you know a a a giant monster bouncing along as if he's a man in a suit is one thing but if he's going thud on the earth and everything shakes then you feel it and it's Mm -hmm. you know right they can they could do more with the cgi to make it realer is is what i'm saying i think so yeah and i you know you, you saying that made me think of um Jurassic Park, where yes, uh, yes, you know the thud and you know the water shakes and stuff. You know that stuff has always been super cool to me. Um, and you know something else that pops in my mind is the thing, like oh man, the practical effects in that movie, like the slime that oh, they yeah. use and stuff. It's so real, you can tell it's real. Like it, it just it, there's something about the human brain you just can tell. Oh, that's that's real. That looks super real. Yeah, you know? Chris Chris Wallace did the uh, practical head, headed up the effects shop on that one. Why did you know him? Or uh, well, I knew him by reputation. He was like. Uh, one of the top two or three guys in town that did that stuff, mm. and uh, he was getting all of the all of the best jobs, and we were all you know chewing our knuckles over it because it meant that we weren't getting those best jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, in those days it was foam rubber and and uh, methyl cellulose, which uh, is the same stuff that. It's a it's a colorless, odorless, tasteless powder. They mix it in. Uh, they mix it into uh, pudding cups because <laughs> it's, it's not you can eat it. Uh, and they also mix it in shampoo to give it that give it uh, texture to it. Uh, and you just mix it up by the bucket, and it's it's slime. 
They Seinfeld. used it in Ghostbusters as well, but by, by hundreds, hundreds oh of gallons. God, of they must have had like swimming pools oh, of that stuff in yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's drenching it's, Bill Murray in it. Yeah, yeah, and it's slimy, right? and when it when it dries, <laughs> it's flaky. <laughs> it's like it's like it gets all crusty and flaky, and you have to go shower. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's you know, it's not. It doesn't oh my god, their bad. plumbers must have hated them because when you shower, the stuff rehydrates and probably blocks up the pipes. I never thought Ooh, about that. I never thought about that. That's right. You're right. They <laughs> probably just hose Bill Murray down. They're like, just all right, take him outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, methyl cellulose. It's great stuff. There used to be a a, a place in Glendale, California, called Trias Sciences, where you used to be able to get it by by the uh, in. in Five gallon buckets. You can probably get it on Amazon now. Um, Have it yeah. delivered. Yeah, 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 yeah. you probably can. I think there's a place in the Midwest that still sells it, but it's it's yeah, it's it's not it's not used as much by the movie industry anymore. You know, because of course it's all CGI now, and it's right. All, yeah. You know, all, you say that, but it's but, all well. The cheaper the cheaper shows can. Well, still I'm get think it. I'm thinking Nickelodeon and your slime time, and come on, every oh, yeah, the, the nickel the the Nickelodeon slime is the same stuff. It's methyl cellulose. So they right, some yeah. they they're buying it by the bucket out here. Okay. Yeah, there must be some place they can you can get it out here. I, and tint it screaming green or orange. Or oh yeah, because all you have to do is add some food coloring, and you can get any color you want. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but modern modern practical effects uses silicones and advanced urethanes, and it's uh, it's so much more complex and versatile than when I was doing it. And it looks so much yeah. more. It looks so much more real close up because uh, they've probably lot, improved the skin since you were on uh, True Blood. To be honest, you know. No, they probably. I mean, new I improved skin. Like, yeah, I remember seeing the behind the scenes for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and the way they showed. Like I, it, you know, there's a lot of CGI in that movie, but I think like one of the big things they were trying to show is that they also use some practical effects and they had a bodysuit for one of the monsters who was supposed, it was the one that um, it's the, it's like the lady that shaped like an oval and she's got this gray skin and long straggly hair and her face takes up her almost her entire body. And they had a bodysuit for that and it looks so real. It was insane. And they did CGI to like show her blinking and maybe her mouth kind of like curls up or whatever. But um, they did do that. And it was probably made out of the silicone stuff you're talking about. It looked really real, like all the pores and everything. Well, you were talking, you were saying uh, a little bit ago, you know, how practical effects look so much better than than, uh, CGI in a lot of cases. And a lot of that has to do with the modern silicones because with silicones you get light you can get uh, what's called subsurface scattering where the light goes into the material and bounces around a little bit before it comes out you know so that like uh translucent have, like human yeah, skin translucent yeah, right, like human yeah. skin and uh, you couldn't get that in the old days with the foam rubber i mean it would look good in a long shot but if you got too close to it you could definitely say oh well, that's, that's you know, plastic. I'm looking yeah. at pancake makeup <laughs> and, and there's no, there's no, there was no getting around it. There was no way around the problem. And, uh, with the new stuff, man, they can simulate anything, just mm. anything. Uh, I think there was a film, I think the end of the world in which there's a severed head and it's an animatronic head and they use silicone as the skin Ew. and it looks, I've seen a video of it. <laughs> And, and they they've got uh, they can blink the eyes and and roll the eyes around and uh, it has facial expressions and the mouth can open and close and it has a tongue and the whole thing and it's it looks so real uh, on camera that uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's intended to get that reaction you know. Is it I on screen? Is this like? Is it like still moving or something? Yeah, it, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's story. There's stories of they cut, of the, they cut days the guy's of the head guillotine. Off. Yeah, they cut the guy's <laughs> oh, yeah. head off. I think it happens. It's in a like bar a zombie or head, or does is this a continuing thing, or does no, it just it's, for a moment? It was just it's 
just for one shot. Oh, okay. Because I think he's in a bar fight I think fight they or something did something like that for uh, Game of Thrones, if I remember. Didn't they have something where there was – or no, it wasn't a severed head. It was it was one of the creatures that was like, like cut in half and like they had the arms and the head kind of moving around and blinking and stuff. Yeah. And – why I didn't think they, they did kill do people? that. It's like a similar, but that kind of technology has been around for a while. You know, I, I've already brought up the thing, but I'll bring it up again. You, you know, the defibrillator. What is it? Defibrillator. Defibrillator. Say that five times fast. That's a good voiceover exercise. Um, they did that in that scene, like when they start torching the body, the head, like you know, pulls itself off the body and they have that kind of technology where the head is mm-hmm. gaping. Well, that was <laughs> classic. That was classic. This, huh? You're sitting there like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, that was, that was a classic scene. That's one of the, one of the standout scenes in the history of science fiction cinema. And oh, yeah, and, yeah for sure. and for sure we want to go out for, you know, pizza and pasta after the little spaghetti mm, for you. Please. All the things that are slimy. Oh. Oh, <laughs> how about some crab's legs? And my yes. stomach's churning already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yum, severed head. <laughs> mm. So, so uh, to your eternity, uh, that's going – That's been it's announced still- for for uh, season two. You haven't started recording it yet, apparently. Not yet. So, so some animes. <laughs> nice segue, by the way. <laughs> some animes. What they do is they do what's called simul dubs. So that means that the Japanese dub and the English dub are coming out at the same time. Um, so, like. Episode one of Japanese dub and episode two of English dub will come out the same day and so on and so on. But what Two Year Eternity is doing, um, which is what most animes do, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty rare that people do simul dubs. But what Two Year Eternity is doing is I think they're like seven episodes behind uh, with the English dub because the finale, which was episode 20, came out Monday uh, for the Japanese dub, along with episode 13 of the English dub. Right. And the way it works is, for me over here in America, since I'm the English voice actor, I have to wait until, you know, the project is totally finished and, uh, you know, everything's done. And then I go into the studio and it, it's pretty much dubbing. It's ADR. I speak in time with the lip flaps of the final animation, the final cut. So I'm still recording. I have episodes 18, 19, and 20 left to record, um, which is sad to think about because that only means that I have three more weeks left. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I wouldn't start recording until next year when the show is starting to come out. Um, I'm sure, you know, to your ter- the Tier Eternity production team over in Japanese is probably taking a break, but I'm sure they're probably going to start up with the recording and animation process, like probably later this year. Um, but yeah, th- there's a huge like time gap uh, in that regard. Well, you've got college in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, I've got college in the meantime. Well... I can't talk about it quite yet, but there is another show that I am doing, another cartoon, um, and I will be sharing that hopefully soon. Um, but I've got that along with college. You know, you're invited to come back when you, when that's when you can talk about it, and that's out. And we'd, I totally we'd love to have will. you back. It's about to say, I was like, you know, once it comes out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, there's that, there's uh, indie film Caroline is Calling. That's coming out soon, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So I'm not entirely aware of the specifics on how that's going to be released. I think what we're, uh, production is doing is they're going to be releasing it to a streaming service. Um, uh, I'll definitely, you know, keep everyone posted about that, uh, my social media. Um and that is actually uh, a sci-fi indie. Um, yes. So that fits perfectly into this. Uh, it's about extraterrestrial life and the discovery of it. Um, 
am super happy to be a part of that film. And uh, when I have more information, I will, uh, I'll definitely dive more into that. He's basically his part is he's dating the daughter of this, this human who's become like super powerful and going, this is one, you know, teenage girl's dad who does not need a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk to him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a great movie, and um, really excited to be a part of it. Directed by the great Michael Sakila, um, starring Antonio Sabato Jr., Savannah Moss, uh, Stacy Dash, and myself. So. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to the amazingly talented Jacob Hopkins, (laughs) uh, who voices Fushi in To Your Eternity. And uh, and Gumball and Gumball in the amazing world of Gumball and a whole bunch of other stuff. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Event Horizon here on Sci-Fi.Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope to be back very soon. (laughs) Count on it. Start. You have been listening to episode 225 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, September 4th, 2021. Our guest this evening has been Jacob Hopkins, who plays Fushi from the English version of the anime series To Your Eternity, as well as Chad Kremp on the Goldbergs and Gumball in the Amazing World of Gumball. This episode will air again on September 5th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio as podcasts. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.